Hello and welcome to Drafting the Dregs, your podcast for all things EPL fantasy. Um, look, it's been a big week or an interesting week this week for, I think, every fantasy player across the globe. But in particular, there's been some big moves in our league. So it'll be interesting to look at the league wrap up. But of course, we do have Dave, Gilby and Mick with us this week to uh Go through a few things, and uh, of course, you know, it, it's it's wise for us to start with our moments of the round. And uh, in this particular one, I'm going to start with you, Dave, because you made a very bold prediction last week. Um, I thought it was incredibly bold. I did. And uh, look, I, I think it's just right that you start us off with your moment of the week, considering that bold prediction. Yeah, I was... Not overly confident myself, but uh, yeah, I made the prediction that Brentford, who I think have had just a brilliant start to their Premier League life, would manage to get something out of their game against Liverpool and did not expect it to be 3 all. Um, but yeah, they walked away with the points. So yeah, got Absolutely. that one right. Uh, and given how well Liverpool have been playing, it's it's not a prediction that uh, I expected to happen. So hey, there you go. And given how well Dave's team went, I don't think that's anything <laughs> anything along the lines of Dave's well, prediction fair there. Yeah, well, we all know that, that Mick was trying his best to uh, sabotage our, our game week, and I think he managed to sabotage mostly everyone's game week, but Mick, did you manage to sabotage your own? I mean, I think I did, and I did say that. Um, when it came to my multi, I said I was going to contradict myself and then throw myself under the bus which happened but I'm glad that I took a few of you with me um but yeah my uh my game of the week was Palace Brighton I believe um oh no sorry no it was moment moment of the week my moment of the week um was the Wolves game so I had a horrible start to the week four points from the first two games including Ronaldo Kai Havertz Sterling and Luke Shaw beautiful four points from those four combined but um Jose Sarr the goalkeeper for Wolves coming out with an assist in the uh, 61st minute to Jimenez, as well as a clean sheet, um, getting me 20-something points between those two Wolves guys, which was more than half of my total for the round, I'm pretty sure. So that's my moment of the week, a goalkeeper assist. It... I think it's just a proud moment for Sunday Leaguers everywhere that there is an assist directly from a goal kick in an English Premier League match. Now, that's something you'd be proud of as an under-9s coach on the side, saying the strategy is to punt it long to your fastest runner. Does anybody so, know what gamble is in Portuguese? Because I think it needed to be said. <laughs> Le gamble. Well, where's Scotty when you need it? Like, I'm sure he would have yelled something on the as he kicked that ball. That's That is just burnt into the back of my my memory. I don't think I'll ever, ever lose that... Uh, just that feeling of hearing those that that word being yelled at the top of Scotty's lungs. It was, uh, I don't know. I, I think I think we gambled far too often, but that's okay. Uh, Righto, lovely. Well, Mick, I'm so glad that was your moment of the round because uh, you did scare me. Because uh, was it? It might have been today or maybe even yesterday. You sent through a, a lovely little video of your your beloved West Brom. Um, and a, a cracker goal being scored. I thought you were going to maybe go on a tangent and talk about that one, so I'm glad you didn't, but it was a cracker of a goal. I mean, I'll, I'll put it out there, though. There's another one. Um, new signing for West Brom has two goal of the season contenders already. They're probably our two best goals, probably just about our only two goals, but also heard a great stat from one of our other um, 
draftees managers today, West Brom could this year become the most promoted to the Premier League team in history. Does that also mean they're the most relegated? No. Well, if Norwich get relegated, <laughs> they go above us on that. But currently, we're both tied for both with five ups and five downs. So hopefully nice. at the end of the year, we lose the one we don't want and we gain the one we do want. Watford can't be too far off that list either, I reckon. Probably not. And look, the, the really promising thing is that if you don't get goal of the season this season in the championship, you'll probably get to have another crack at that really, really soon with West Brom. So, you know. If not, maybe we'll concede goal of the season in the Premier League next year, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I love it. I love it. And uh, Gilby, now I'm sure yours is maybe a bit of a downer for you, your moment of the week. Um, we know you're a beloved Man U supporter and yours does concern Man United this week. Yeah, that was a painful one for me and a number of other managers around the world, I'm sure with Fernandez stepping up for a penalty and proceeding to send it to row Z. Um, not a great penalty by any means. Um, the match I predicted, though, I did get right. Um, I did say, well, I think I said that it was going to be drama either way for Arsenal Spores and whoever lost. I can't remember if I predicted a specific result. I think I might have said, like, 2-2, like, either a lot of goals or none. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, for that match, not looking good at all for Spurs. I was just looking at my numbers here. Spurs against the other Premier League sides in, in terms of statistics, they are 19th for the amount of shots, 18th for shots conceded, 19th for expected goals, and 16th for expected goals conceded. So very much playing like a bottom-of-the-rung side at the moment rather than... I mean, for most people probably had them penciled in for somewhere in the top six at least. I mean, particularly given they were supposedly a Super League club. So we shall see if that continues and whether or not Spurs can turn it around. But yeah, painful one for a whole range of people around the world with Fernandez's miss. Yeah, I'm not going to let you off the hook that easy, Gilby. I see what you did there trying to just, you know, go with go with your moment of the week and then just quickly put that to the back of everyone's mind. But let's just uh, focus on that slightly. So our good mate Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos are currently in a big dick competition to see who can get to the moon first and who can get to Mars first. But I reckon Bruno's uh, penalty shot just entered the entered the game, entered the chat. I think it's still going up. Well, actually, and I was trying to look for something to sort of solve the pain there a little bit. Um, and... I had a look, and Bruno actually has a better success rate with penalties than Ronaldo does when playing for their club teams. So Bruno Fernandes has scored 39 out of 43 for a 90.7% success rate. Uh, I mean, whether or not one of them landed in the stadium or not is beside the point. Um, and Ronaldo has scored 125 out of 147. So his success rate is 85%. So, I mean, um, even afterwards, uh, Solstra said that uh, who takes pens is decided to start of a match. And, of course, he backed Fernandez anyway. But, I mean, uh, the other thing that really was tearing my hair out is bloody Emiliano Martinez doing his best troll job before the match, uh, before the pen was taken. Um, he did the same thing. If you're watching in the South America, um, in the, what's the America, South America Cup version? I've forgotten the name, Copa America, um, for Argentina in their penalty shootout. He tried, to, he successfully trolled 
three of the Colombian penalty takers, I believe it was. I can't remember Ooh, which penalty shooter it was. Are they still alive? Are they still alive? Well, apparently, he, well, whoever, whoever he six, yeah, whoever he six, he basically uh, three of the Colombian penalty takers. If it was Colombia, I apologize in advance to their families if it wasn't. Um, they missed uh, three out of the five penalties, and before each one. Martinez would come up and get in their face. Now, whether it's within what you would expect as a sportsman, whether it's fair play or not, is up for debate. I personally think, I mean, I know Jeff, who's our referee mate, probably have pretty strong feelings on people surrounding the referee after decisions are given, which I personally hate. Um, And yeah, I mean, in the end, he didn't break any rules and he'll point to the fact that um, he won his team the three points. Yeah, and if it's any consolation, I left him on my bench. So, anyway. Uh, I did notice that too, and that did uh, potentially make the pain a little less. I just love, Gilby, you're still trying to find the positives. I mean, at the end of the day, they missed it. It's still going up. It's in space somewhere. Yeah, all, all the all the penalties that Bruno makes, no one remembers them. We just Absolutely. remember the ones he misses. Yeah, well, I mean, like, when I had a look at, I mean, I watched the highlights of the match, um, and even though so Man United, we had 28 shots, four of them on target. Bruno created 10 chances, but uh, I mean, even those chances, they weren't the highest quality chances. Villa probably arguably had the better quality chances, and it was only a couple of really good saves and De Gea that prevented Villa going ahead earlier. So, I mean, uh, we just have not played well for the last four or five matches now. I think we've lost four out of the last five. So... Um, we played in Europe against Villarreal and won to one somehow, despite being second best at Old Trafford. So yeah, I mean, it's not good times, and particularly given the Man United fixtures coming up are not looking good. It's looking like a pretty tough six to seven matches for us. Um, it's going to be a really tough time for us, and a probably a defining one for Ole. Yeah, absolutely. And and whilst we're talking about dead ball antics, trying to put off players, quick shout out to uh. Um, Stephen Taylor, who's retired from from football, uh, I saw some of the videos across the across the last couple of days about some of his antics trying to put players off uh, in uh, dead ball set piece situations, and they are truly brilliant. So if you haven't seen them, ha- have a bit of a watch. They're fantastic. There's, I'm sure there's any number, but the one in particular that I saw was where he was just mirroring the goalkeeper off a uh, free kick and oh, yeah, so it's good. hilarious. And you know, he must've had a good success rate cause he kept on doing it throughout his career. So, um, and who doesn't want to finish their career at uh Wellington Phoenix, yeah, right? I'm sure that was probably the top of his list of places to uh, finish his career. So, but we'll keep going. So my moment of the week, uh, again, it seems like we've got a few, a few, a few, a couple of really happy, positive moments of the week and a couple of sour um, moments of the weekend. Me being a Crystal Palace fan, the only thing I've got stuck in my brain right now is the last 30 seconds of the, the last game of the game week where we were able to to botch getting all three points from Brighton where we played really, really well. We'd, we'd basically shut them out for the second half and 30 seconds to go, Guaida just lobs it to their player in the centre of the field who does a quick little volley over the top and Mopay's able to cling onto it and get it over the keeper's head. So credit to them for, for being switched on for that time. But uh, man, I was pretty distraught as I was sitting watching that. So that was uh, definitely the moment of the, the week for me, but uh, not the good night, unfortunately, for Crystal Palace. But hey, we still got a point. So that's a, 
a good thing. I'm pretty happy where we are at the moment. Just before we move on, Isaac, so this is not my moment of the week, but it's something that you raised as something to keep an eye on uh, in our last podcast, uh, just to comment on Jared Gillette becoming the first uh, referee that's not from the British Isles in the Premier League, um, obviously referee to the Watford game. And the one-eyed Watford fans were not happy with his uh, refereeing. Um, they were very positive about what he'd done in the championship and they were looking forward to having him. Um, but in the immediate aftermath, they thought he let a lot, uh, way too much go in the start of the game and then lost control at the end. Uh, the more tempered fans of us uh, thought he had a brilliant game and that's just, you know, any one-eyed fan's going to think that everything goes against you. And the general consensus um, from the neutrals that I've seen uh, was that he had a great game and I kind of tend to agree. So good on him. I do see he's back on fourth official duties for Chelsea Southampton this week and VAR for Palace Leicester. So still in and around, doesn't have an actual game this week, but still has a couple of roles. Yeah, fingers crossed he can get a few more of the line in the, in the next few yeah. game weeks. But um, uh, was it was it in that game where there was a an offside right at the end for key, disallowing King's goal? Was that right? Yeah, so yeah. obviously that's not his... Yeah, yeah exactly. But he was and offside, I mean, so... That's, that's, it is what it is. That's not his decision, but I just noticed that, yeah, um, yeah there was a, an opportunity for you guys, I guess, right at the end to take away all, all the points there versus Newcastle. So, Yeah, and that sours any one-eyed fans' view of things, uh, rightly or wrongly, and in every uh, straight-thinking person's mind, it was wrongly. Well, look, now it's time to have a bit of a, uh, a look back at the week that was in terms of the waiver the situation for our league. So uh, Gilby's got a bit of a summary again of of what the waivers were in our league, who tried, who picked up who, and uh, maybe how successful those were. And I'm sure we'll be able to chime in as we go as well. But uh, there was a bit of movement across last week in our league for waivers. So what uh, what was the wash up, Gilby? Yeah, so there was a lot of movement. Uh, I think this may have been our highest number of transfers so far. Um, so for each transfer, as we go through real quick, um, I'm just going to say my initial thoughts of either a pass, a fail, or TBA um, as to whether it's a 50-50 transfer at the moment. So the first one to go through is Ben dropping Coleman um, for Thiago Silva. I'm going to give that a pass for now. Um, I think that's probably pretty solid, particularly Coleman being injured at the moment. Um, Thiago Silva, whether or not he'll play all the time for Chelsea is interesting, but Chelsea's run of fixtures uh, tilts it in favour of Thiago Silva being Just quickly, Gilby. Uh, Dan oh, dropped Jack say, Harris. Because yep. Ben had the first pick. As we keep looking through, do you think that was the, the best pickup for him? I mean, my opinion on Ben's team is there's a fair few holes. So uh, where he goes, I don't know. He can probably only prioritize one at a time, but there was a lot of other players that other people did take that I thought may have potentially been 
yeah. more value or more useful for Ben in the long run. Um, I think taking Terko Silva, who may or may not play all the time for Chelsea, um, I'm not sure that solves the issues that he's got. So I'm going to give it a pass because I think Terko Silva will probably be more points than Coleman, at least for this next run that Chelsea's got. But, I mean, in overall terms, he may well have um, maybe gone a different way or maybe submitted one or two more transfers. But he did submit one more a bit later, but I'll get to But That kind of was a given. Um, so next one was Dan dropping Jack Harrison for Dan James. So essentially just swapping Leeds wide men. I'm going to say 50-50 there. It's a TBA. Um, Nate dropped Connor Cody for Kanate. Uh, the Liverpool defender. Um, if Kanate plays, then it's good. If Kanate doesn't, then it's questionable. So for me, that's a 50-50 one. Um, Mick was next up, dropping Sanchez for Zuma. So it might get Mick to just quickly chime in in there. What were you thinking there, Mick? Uh, Sanchez, I'm pretty sure, had a knock, potentially wasn't playing. Um, Zuma had just gone to West Ham. West Ham looked pretty solid. Um, I can't actually remember. Yep. Was it West Ham Leeds last week? Um, Leeds have been awful at set pieces. You've got Creswell firing in, Zuma as a target. I figured chance at a clean sheet. Rafinha was supposed to potentially not be playing. Bamford's out injured. Chance at a clean sheet, chance at a set piece goal. So it was, it was maybe more of a one-week thing. But, I mean, the way West Ham's going, and he's played two 90-minute games, the two games he's been eligible for for them. So I think he could stay in the team. He's a pretty solid option. And, I guess it's who else is there to potentially get instead. Yeah, well, for me, what tilted it was how badly Spurs have been defending. So I would have given you a pass just on that anyway. But yeah, I mean, uh, I like the explanation there as well, the justification for that. Next one up was Jeff dropping Chalabar that he's had in and out of his team twice for some reason. Um, he tried for Thiago Silva first, um, but obviously he was taken by Ben and settled for Matty Cash which I think is a clear upgrade on Chalabar. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think Matty Cash is going to be good because Villa now have gone to a 3-5-2 and they're playing wingbacks more aggressively so that Watkins and Ings can play together. So I think Villa are going to be very good and I think their wingbacks are going to be good value. So I think that is a sneaky um, move that's very, yeah, I'm very a, good I'm for a Jeff. big Matty Isaac. Cash fan. Um, I had him for a period last year as well in the draft and uh, he did well for me for, you know, a little while. And then um, I think for Villa, they're really hot and cold at times. And so they have a really good run and they're on a really good run at the moment. And uh, then they'll sort of drop off. And I think he did get injured as well for, for a little bit of time, but I'm a big fan. I like that. Yeah. He's playing as a wing back, that he's nice and direct. He's going to get in and around the, the back post um, and cause some, some havoc either attacking or, you know, trying to follow balls in. So, I think it's yeah, a really good pickup by, by Jeff. You you say they're going to a uh, was it a three five two, but I know if it's anything like the way Chelsea does it, um, when Leon Bailey comes back, they've got a number of good quality wingers. If they're playing two out and out strikers, if they if they're really happy with their centre three defenders, are they likely to play a more attacking minded? Um, like I said, I look at Chelsea you've got Marcus Alonso, obviously a lot more attacking than Chilwell. They've got Hudson-Odoi, who has played at the right wing back instead of Azpilicueta or James. So I think when Leon Bailey's back, there's a ro potentially a rotation risk there. 
Yeah, potentially. Um, I think at the moment, Leon Bailey is going to play an impact sub role. Um, I don't think they're going to... I think they've looked pretty good these last few weeks playing that wing-back formation, uh, similar to Chelsea, as you say. Um, so, yeah, I mean, to me, it's a clear upgrade because Chalabar was how they're going to play. So I'm going to give Jeff definitely a pass for that move. Um, Isaac was next, dropping his... Um, great, brilliant move from a few weeks ago, Traore, uh, for Townsend, which at first, when I first looked at it at the beginning of the round, I thought that's not going to work out. But after looking at the round points, it turned out to be a brilliant move because Townsend somehow ended up taking a penalty for Everton, which I then looked into and I realized that DCL and Richarlison were both out, which meant that it was either Townsend or Gray on penalties. Sigurdsson. Sigurdsson's also out. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he who shall not be named is uh, probably out somewhere else, nowhere near the club, if it's potentially within five kilometres of playgrounds. Penalties um, are so, being taken. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know where he Green is. Green pastures, uh, maybe. We'll, we'll leave that one. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, I'm going to say at first, I would have said a definite 50-50. What are you thinking, Isaac? Is that a short-term move, or are you thinking that Townsend's an upgrade? I have no faith in Traore that he's actually going to be able to score. Um, so, where I was, I was. Well, I did see the other thing that made me think you were smart as well is uh, Lage, who's Wolves manager, uh, dropped Traore this yep. week. So he actually came off the bench and did precisely nothing in his twenty minutes on the field. So. It may yeah, be looking so better than I first thought um, from from that trade, and so with Richarlison and 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 Calvert Lewin out, I was very confident that Townsend was going to play. I was very confident, like he's been playing well, he's been picking up good points. So I figured, hey, if I can get on him now, get a few points out of him, then I can potentially either keep him there as a bit of a backup or move him on for somebody else who's going to have a good run of fixtures or whatever the case was. So I was pretty confident that Traore was going to do nothing. And the fact that he didn't start pretty much sums up just how well he's going. Um, he's been a threat, but he hasn't actually done anything of note. So yeah, I was I was pretty happy with that. And I think long-term, even long-term, because Watford's fixtures are going to turn. Uh, sorry, not Watford. Wolves' fixtures are, are going to turn. Um, I think that, yeah thumbs up for that one i think it's a i've made an upgrade there cool all right so the next move was one that i had to check a couple of times uh because i wasn't sure if it was actually real um dan dropped more pie for dennis from watford um i'm not sure the thinking on that one that was to me like even look at it after like even before the round i would have said fail um and even more so after the round because dennis we've uh, mentioned a couple of times is looking pretty good for watford i know dave's mentioned that he's probably going to play from the left but more pie um has actually scored i was just going to look it up before where's brighton's match he has scored four goals in the last six games so one of the top strikers in terms of points so far and Brighton being I mean, like a very attacking team, um, more pie is going to be their main source of points. I'm not sure the justification for that one. So what do you think, boys? I'll jump in first because I think Dave has a lot to answer for here. I'm going to put this on Dave because last week, Dave, you said, yeah, no, Dennis is looking good. Um, you know, he, he's, you know, getting in and around, blah, 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 blah. Like you, you, you've sort of, 
gave him a few reps, which I thought was nice. But the week before that, I'm pretty sure you were like, nah, don't touch Dennis, don't touch Dennis. Because that basically led me to not bring Dennis in. Um, and then he scored some points and I was like, oh, okay, I'm not going to listen to Dave anymore. Um, but I think Dan is still, yeah, I know. But I fair, think Dan fair. is still maybe listening to you, Dave. So um, have you got any other predictions this week where we can maybe um, screw Dan or, or one of the other managers over? No, I just want to defend myself, really. Yeah, Dennis has has been playing reasonably well. Uh, and yes, I have said I won't be touching him with a 20-foot pole just yet. Um, Joe Pedro is on the way back. And I still believe that once we have Joe Pedro back and... Um, Cucho is a chance as well of displacing Dennis, um, then I don't think he'll be a regular starter. Now, in saying that, credit where it's due, he's only, like, he's not doing himself any harm. He's, you know, he's had the chance and he's taken it. Um, but I think when Joe Pedro is fully fit, he walks back into the side somewhere. The flip side is if he doesn't displace Dennis, Dennis may then move to the main striker position and push Josh King back out. So for me, it's still a bit of a wait and see, but yeah, there's huge potential upside for Dennis. Yeah, I, I think irrespective, I'm, I'm sure Gilby, you, you'll give your, your thoughts in a second, but I I think Morpe is going to be hot property this next waiver, I'm sure, so... That's the way I look at it. He's he's nailed on there for for Brighton, and uh, he's scoring goals at the moment. So um, Dan's probably kicking himself at the moment, but hey, he might be able to pick him back up. Yeah, I mean, to me, given Dan's current position in the league and looking at his team, I don't think you can justify throwing away a proven Premier League striker who will start and will provide the main source of Brighton's points for a player with definite upside as Dave's identified, but still very much questionable as far as role in the team, uh, long-term points, all those factors. So for me, that's a fail. Um, next one was Nate dropping Pickford for Ramsdale. Um, I like the move. It's a pass for me. Pickford uh, picked up a bit of a knock, um, but Ramsdale has looked very, very good for Arsenal. Um, he, from what I've read so far, I mean, the Arsenal fan TV is always entertaining, uh, more so when they lose. But anyway, um, they Ramsdale, they pay when they when I looked at that deal, paying I think it was thirty million for him. Um, I think was. Uh, I had serious questions over that, but he seems to really suit the way that Teta wants to play. He seems to be a lot more comfortable with the board, his feet, and he seems to be a lot better communicated than Leno was. So he does seem to suit the way he wants to play, and he's had ha has had some really good matches. And Arsenal have had the, been a beneficiary of some very kind fixtures the last three rounds, and do have some good fixtures coming up as well. So definite pass from me. Um, but yeah, I mean. I don't think you can uh, get much better than their last three fixtures. I, uh, it could Isaac? be the bias, Aussie and me, but um, they should have kept Matty Ryan, Arsenal. He does 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 a similar job. Would have got him for cheaper. Phenomenal with the ball at his feet. Um, Ramsdale, I think he's been relegated like two years in a row in the teams that he's been playing in. So that's not a good thing. But hey, he's good in form at the moment. So I did him. see. 
I did see that prediction, particularly before Arsenal did turn around their form slightly, uh, that they identified the last two teams Ramsdale had played for both got relegated and they were predicting and Arsenal at the time, I think were 19th. So I did see that meme go around a while ago. So, but he has looked pretty good. So I'm going to give that one a pass there. Uh, Jeff was next, uh, dropping Dallas from Leeds for Bernardo Silva. Um, I mean, we all know Jeff loves his players from the top teams and is happy to go rotation risk, which Bernardo Silva definitely is, particularly given that he was keen to leave uh, Manchester City during the transfer window. Uh, but he has looked pretty good so far, has provided some attacking returns, and City are looking really good at the moment. So to me, that was a tough one for me because I do like Dallas. Um, but I'm going to say a TBA 50-50 at the moment for that one. Not sure who's going to win out of that transfer move. Isaac again was next, dropping Huang Hee Chan for Josh King. Um, and Huang Hee Chan started for oh, the first time this round, yeah, yeah. Uh, but King gave you some attacking <laughs> returns. So, uh, I mean, like the two players who scored the most points for you this round were actually yeah. your two transfers. So, Gilby, Gilby, I just got to stop you there. Yes, I can't. I can't let you get away with that. Just call him Wang like everyone else does. Well, I think that says more about what you've got on your mind rather than anything else, Dave. But anyway, Isaac, what do you think about Huang for King? Yeah, I was pretty... <laughs> Fucking Huang. What? <laughs> I was pretty confident that I was going to uh, benefit from that. Um, more so just given the fixtures. Um, and then when I saw Huang um, start, <laughs> I sort of was a bit... <laughs> Thank you, Dave. Wang. I was sort of a bit frightened by that because i knew he would begin to start because he's looked really good when he's come off the bench but uh overall happy um i needed to make sure i had a forward that was going to start because bamford was injured so that was my main my main goal get a forward that is definitely going to start and who has hopefully some points potential and that's what i got and he scored me points and thankfully he did because it would have been an even worse week if he hadn't yeah, I mean, even before Huang um, starting for the first time, um, I would have given you a pass for that one because swapping a rotation risk at best at the moment for a starting striker, whether he's left or centre, I mean, Dave still identified the main issues there with Watford as to which role he'll play going forwards. But as you say, short term, uh, definitely a pass for me for that one. Uh, Dan was next, dropping Mings for Tommy Asu. Um, I like the move. Arsenal's fixtures are good. Tomiyasu is the more defensive of Arsenal's backs. He tends to uh, tuck in and make a back three, whereas Tierney goes forward. So he's not going to give you attacking returns. But if Arsenal do actually have some solidity to them, um, potentially going forward, they have looked better. Um, I do think he'll be good. So to me, I'm going to give that one a pass. Um, Isaac again was next with uh, dropping Digne for Ben White. So what was the thinking here, Isaac? Uh, basically, I was looking at Arsenal's run of fixtures and I was pretty co- I'm pretty confident that they will get a few shutouts through that, that period. They've got some really good home games. Um, Digne at the time um, had a 75% chance of playing and I didn't want to risk getting zero. Um, obviously he did play and he did get a clean sheet shutout. Um, when I first drafted Digne, he was my second defender that I drafted, um, basically for the attacking returns because, you know, he, he generally was on set pieces and was able to get some crosses into the box, maybe an odd goal or two. Um, but he has 
not done any of those things thus far. Um, if you look at the way Everton have been playing, they've been playing with wingers who have been providing that width and those balls in. And Digne hasn't really had the opportunity to do that. And they've still been doing that with their, their two forwards out. So my thinking there was, well, let's go with a player who's got good fixtures. And then, um, you know, if there's an opportunity to, to bring Digne in later again, well, you can look at doing that if he's still available. So that, that was my thought process. I lost that a little bit because Arsenal didn't clean it, get, get a clean sheet and Everton did. But, you know, um, two, two out of three waivers ain't bad, I think. Yeah, I'm going to call that one a 50-50 at the moment because I think White will give you better short-term points, but I still like Dinier for a better full-season prospect. So 50-50 for me on that one. Then the last two were free agent moves that were done after the waiver run went through. Uh, Jeff dropped Pulisic for Kovacic. So swapping Chelsea players there. Um, Pulisic just has not been able to get off the treatment table so far. So I think he's injured again now, unfortunately. So this was, I saw a lot of people predicting that this is going to be Pulisic's make or break season as to whether or not he's going to be an elite player. At the moment, it does not look the case. Um, so Kovacic has looked good, but he tends to play deeper for Chelsea. So, I mean, uh, swapping a player that starts for a player that hasn't been you can maybe argue Jeff's got an upside there, so I'm going to give it a pass. Um, but Kovacic isn't really going to be a game-breaking midfielder. But looking at Jeff's team, I can see why he's done it because a lot of his midfielders are high rotation risk, high point upside midfielders. So bringing in someone that's going to start regularly, I can see why he's done it. So I'll give him a pass for that. And then the last one was Ben dropping Woodman for McCarthy. So I don't think Woodman's been playing at all. Um, so bringing in an actual starting goalkeeper is always going to be an upgrade there. And I mean, it's a Southampton goalkeeper, so Ben was always going to Absolutely. go there. No, I think you're spot on there. Um, I didn't realize he made that move, but as soon as you started saying, I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, no, cool. Good on you, Ben. And it's the right call in the end. So um, Southampton have been defending actually really, really well. So there's some points potential there. Look, Great waiver wire summary. Lots and lots of things happen. And I'm sure there's going to be uh, lots more waivers this week as well um, as fixtures uh, start to turn. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. Um, the games that we spoke about and predicted on last game week, we've spoken about a few of them already. So we've spoken about Brentford-Liverpool, um, the, sh- the, um, the points shared. I don't think there's too much else to touch on there. Um, Gilby, you took Arsenal-Tottenham. You've already discussed that a little bit. Um, obviously, Arsenal came away with the, with the biscuits there. Um, there's two things I wanted to add to that game. Number one being, at times, Tottenham looked like they had no midfield at all. They were just so open in midfield, and Arsenal ran straight through them. And the second thing I wanted to... It's more a question to one of our, um, to, to one of our, our league managers here. Um, given it was a 3-1 scoreline to Arsenal... Um, Dave, were you incredibly dirty that Odegaard basically got none of the points? In fact, I think he got a yellow card and got one point. Um, and Saka and Smith Rowe got all the points. Are you a bit dirty about that? Sorry, I think I think what you're trying to convey to me here is uh, was all my focus on Son, who got points for Tottenham. Is that what you're trying to get at? My first pick in the draft. This time around, my first round pick got me some points and saved my well, own I mean, round. 
you can you can absolutely talk about that. But I was more just thinking <laughs> the fact that he's meant to be like this, you know, chief playmaker in the Arsenal squad, and he only got the one point, which I thought was really unlucky given how well they played. Yeah, <laughs> you're correct there. That was unlucky given how well they played. Um, he's definitely not going on the scrap heap just yet. <laughs> no, I think I think you've got you you got a good player there. And hey, if you average out the points, they both scored four points each. So Son and Odegaard. So happy mm, days. There you go. Um, yes. Happy days didn't help that I've also got Deli Ali who only scored one as Ooh, well. So that really, brings really the average does. back down. Oh. And Deli Ali uh, got benched at half time. So yeah. not looking good there. Wave nope. a wire. Um, <laughs> the <laughs> the next one to talk about uh, Leeds West Ham was the the game that I said would give us all sorts of fantasy returns. Um, it sort of didn't. Like it was a bit. Of, it, it was it was an interesting one. I've got Ben Rama and he looked really really good. He got a bonus point but didn't get any other attacking returns. So he managed to get three points. Um, Antonio got the late goal at the end. It was the game. I pretty much thought it would be in that Leeds were under a lot of pressure um, and defensively looked suspect at times. So, you know, I think obviously Gilby was happy with Antonio's returns, which is obviously lovely for him. And we'll get on to um, talking about Gilby's round very shortly, which um, I'm sure he'll be happy to talk about Gilby. Yeah, no, I mean, the main thing we saw there, like Ben Rama, I actually did see the highlights for this one. Um, Antonio could and should have had more. Um, ben Rama actually created three chances for Antonio that were all spurned. So, uh, I mean, it could have been good points for me. It equally could have been really good points for you, Isaac. So a little bit of a frustrating one for both of us there. Um, I saw the other frustrating aspect was uh, poor old Dave with Fierpo who contributed the own goal in this case so a good old negative one for dave's team there so that was the other highlight out of the match for me what's the average at uh, now I think just bear Ferber with me zero, i'm pretty sure he has yeah. zero points across six he has two yeah, zeros two ones wow. and two negative ones it's quite impressive you know how to pick yeah. him dave yeah wave I mean, a wire yeah <laughs> wow look yep the next game was yep. uh mix Came away with uh, Palace Brighton as his game to watch. Now, it was one all. We've spoken about that one. I don't want to speak about that one too much more. But I did want to talk about Mick, your Mick's Magnificent Mega Miracle Magic Multi. Now, you had sort of two in the air. You went with one of them. How did you get on? Well, just quickly, I will go back. To, I was having a look at the Palace Brighton. And Pal- uh, Brighton's best chance of the game was actually assisted by their goalkeeper as well. Oh. Just having a quick, apparently Robert, Robert Sanchez put a ball over the top, Danny Welbeck in the 32nd minute, a 0.3 chance, got saved. So just a little tidbit there. Maybe Sanchez is a fantasy asset with attacking return possibilities. Um, in terms of my multi, well, I mean, I've already said, Dave, you're welcome. Um, Deli Ali did nothing. Kuhnman Son, I mean, got some level of returns. Um, and then Mane, yep, did a precisely nothing, even though Liverpool scored three I, goals. That's I bought, quite put that totally down really. to you. Thanks, Mick. Um, yeah, yeah, you're welcome. Um, unfortunately, I just couldn't get all three, so Antonio happened to go and spoil the party. So, yeah, it happens, I guess. Um, but yeah, in terms of mine, nothing that I said wouldn't. So that's that's pretty much it. Um, Man, you, I said basically going to annihilate Villa. Ronaldo hat tricks. Jadon Sancho first goal of the season for him. 
not only could he not get a goal, he couldn't get a minute. So, I mean, it's quite impressive, really. Um, so now I just need to have a look at the table. I think Gilby's on top. So, Gilby, who's your best player? I expect them to be in the multi this week. Fan. Oh, that's good. <laughs> look, a bit of a swing and a miss this week, Mick, but I'm sure that you'll you'll come out on top of it, of it one day. You'll, you'll get there. I believe in you. I believe in you. Like I've said before, I only need only one, right? I only need one. And uh, look, I've, I've added another M word to the uh, the title of your multi this week, so I'll, I'll keep it a surprise. Stay tuned for it. I know you guys are anticipating as much as I do every week. Um, but let's have a look now at the league wrap-up. So we've had a bit of a chat about our waivers. Um, do we have to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do we, we really, we really, have to? really do. Um, I'm yeah. with you though, Dave. Uh, I wasn't incredibly happy with it either. But uh, let's let's talk about it. Let's go through it. Um, still in first place is Gilby on um, 334 points. Managed a 52 point round, which is given it's a draft game, is a lot better than a lot of regular fantasy managers during the week. So Gilby, hey, on top, you're doing really, really well. Great job. And without. And without double points for I know. as well. So that's so. mighty impressive. Yeah, well, I mean, that, that was probably pretty good for me because I would have double-pointed uh, Bruno Fernandes as zero. So that mm. was probably a good good thing for me. So that I mean, really good signs for my team that my best player can score zero and still get 52 uh, with Ra- without Rashford and DCL. So, I mean, really, really happy so far. Again, I was expecting to... Uh, have another bit of a trouble with this round, uh, given who I've got out. Um, but so, yeah, I mean, really, really good. I think I read as well, Rashford's potentially back in training in the next week or two. So I'd yeah, say after he's already the next back international in, break, can't be far He's back away. in uh, fitness training. Um, so I think he'll probably appear from the bench after the international break. So I won't be starting him as yet, but it won't be long after that before uh, we'll be starting him. I'm going to guess, oh, plump for game week 10. That'll be the first time I'll start him. Um, Gilby. Uh, it's pretty hard to fault your team so far. But if I had to, and I'm talking this week in particular, of your, what have you got? You've got seven defenders, including your goalkeepers. Only one of them gave you a return. Are your or is your defence something that you're going to look at changing anytime soon? Yeah, no. Well, defenders is always going to be the area I'll be rotating uh, more often than not because the way the draft went, I kind of changed my strategy halfway through, which I mentioned kind of before. Uh, my strikers are there to stay no matter what. That's going to be I'll be starting three strikers all the time if they're fit. Um, my midfielders. I would only potentially be looking at maybe rotating one out of our Jota or Tillmans. Um, but other than that, Fernandez Saar has been really good. Rashford's going to stay no matter what. So defenders is really going to be the only time I'm looking for. As Piliqueta, particularly given Chelsea's fixtures, is going to be hold for me at least for the next five, six weeks. Um, everyone else is up for the block depending on fixtures and form. Um, given Leicester's struggles and the fact that Johnny Evans is coming back, uh, Suyuncu is looking like he's for the block for me at the moment. Um, so I'll probably be looking at defenders. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's always going to be something that I'm willing to rotate on, um, particularly a lot more than my mids and strikers. Other than um, you just mentioned Johnny Evans, I don't know if he's on your watch list, but anyone in particular that at this stage you might have your eye on? 
Well, I actually saw a few managers had him as a backup option this week, uh, but I've been really, really impressed by Livramento from Southampton. Um, if I, lo I looked at the touch map of Southampton's, and he was actually the most advanced of Southampton's players, nearly, um, and he provided um, all of their basically all of their attacking threat. Um, so he's looked really, really good. I saw a few managers had him as a backup option bringing this week if their first moves failed. So I think I don't think I'm giving away too much there that he, he's looking very good. I do have a few other players. I mean, Siyonsu hasn't really provided too much for me. So if someone does gazump me there with Livermento, I won't be too disappointed. But he's he's one I'm definitely having a good long look right at. Righto, Ben and Dan, get to the gazumping, please. Um no, look, I just found it really, really um, impressive that you had four players that got you zero points and you're still able to come out with a score like that. Your midfield is working really well. Tielemans got, you know, another return. I was critical of you with Tielemans, um, having had him probably the last two seasons myself. I know that uh, his run, run won't continue, but, you know, whilst... No, honestly, it, it won't, but whilst it is going... It's he's he's a good person to have in your team, and I know Saar with Watford, their fixtures turn quite quickly, so uh, you know he's sort of a, a one man band for Watford in a, in a sense. So it'll be interesting to see if he can continue to fire. But in all honesty, Gilby with a, a score like that, that's uh, you're in a really really healthy position. I think you've done extremely well. I mean, if you're happy to give me the trophy now, I'll be happy to accept. No, so no, we're fine. If you if you like I'll, to, I'm, if... I'm I'm going to keep it here at my house and uh, you know just just hold on to it for as long as possible. It's all fine. Still got a mid-season draft. You got to contend with Gilby, so you might be giving up. Half <laughs> you might only have team. to give up someone like Saar, though. Jeez. Potentially, yeah, well. I mean, that will last. One of the last moves uh, players I had to give up was Timo Puki, who I gave up to Dan, who was the bottom of the league that year, and he proceeded to then score, I think, one goal for the rest of the season. So I'm hoping that continues, that I can take advantage of some really good form for some of my players, and then trade them out before everything inevitably goes oh, badly. He won't even have to trade out Fernandez because he's probably not going to even be in his top five. Anyway. Um, not if exactly. he keeps missing penalties exactly, like that. Exactly. Well, let's continue on. So Gilby's on top. Uh, 52 point game week. Midfield did extremely well. He got good points, uh, you know, across the majority of his players. Um, we didn't even talk about Abamyang, for example. Um, scored a, a nice little haul of points for you. Coming in second place. Now we were level pegging last game week, but uh, I've dropped down to second place um, with a, a game week of 35, which. Um, is easily my lowest game week, um, so I'm 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 seeing Gilby right off into the distance again, but hopefully for not too long. Um, it was it, the thing is, if you look at my waivers and I had a pretty good waiver wire, it could have been a lot worse, which is the scary thing. So realistically, it uh, I was I was lucky that I picked up Townsend and King because they got me 15 points. Um, I left Walker on the bench for seven. Um, pretty much just trying to split my Chelsea and um, Manchester City assets because they did verse each other. So I just I didn't want to I didn't want it to be like a you know a one all and then getting two points for each of those three players I've got from those two teams in my defence. So I was just trying to split those that that risk there. Um, 
other than that, I really didn't have too much going on. Diaz got me five points. Um, Bamford was out injured, so that's why I brought in King to make sure I had someone who was starting. Uh, Mane didn't get many points, unfortunately, even with a, a 3-3 at uh, Brentford. Um, ben Rama played really well, got the one bonus point, but realistically, that's a really all I had. So I've dropped back behind Gilby. Um, it, it was a bit unfortunate, but hey, it had to happen at some point that I didn't maybe get into the 50s like I had for the last uh, six game weeks. But yeah, 35 was not happy with that, Gilby. Yeah, no, I mean, I, when I looked at your team, I thought, yeah, I might be in a bit of trouble for the next few weeks with the players I've got out. Um, but yeah, I mean, happy for you to stumble a little bit this week. But the interesting thing for me was I had a good look at the City-Chelsea game. Um, City more or less clearly outplayed Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. Uh, Chelsea had 40% possession and only had four shots, all four of whom were blocked. So, like, to actually have no chances at all, really, for any goals, I think Chelsea had the lowest expected goals of any team for the entire round, and that's five clean sheets in a row for City. So, I mean, Manchester City is looking very, very, very good again. Uh, Cancelo is the top defender in the game now, and Diaz is equal second. So, I mean, having Ruben Diaz there, you can more or less guarantee to be part of City's shutouts there. Um, and, I mean... The other interesting thing, City set up in a, basically a 4-4-2, and KDB and Foden played as false nines up top, and Grealish and Jesus played wide. And they actually had more goal threat. Um, Grealish and Jesus, 11 penalty box touches each, and one big chance each. So, I mean, it seems like a KDB and Foden were dropping in, and Grealish and Jesus running into the space beyond. They're all four kind of in the similar sort of position, like a depth line on the field. But really interesting setup there for Manchester City. With our league, though, uh, Gundogan injured to after the international break, who was one of Jeff's mids. So that might be something he's going to have to have a look at there. And Reese James twisting his ankle with the other things to come out of that match. But, I mean, City completely outplaying Chelsea at the bridge. Uh, a lot of people had picked Chelsea as looking really, really good, and that being potentially an early title six-pointer, given how well both teams have been playing. And, yeah, I mean, City came out of that looking like they were the real real deal there. I was just having a look, and I think it's it's good for me to point out that Sterling had the same number of shots and expected goals as Phil Foden, which is quite impressive considering he only played one minute. Um, and then expected assists, well, he was equal with Gabriel Jesus. So the numbers for Sterling are looking quite good, I might add. It was lovely to see, Mick, that your first two draft picks did score you um, two points in total. So... I mean, I'm going to continue looking at our first two draft picks, and uh, your your those two are just rolling for you. I, I love it. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, he was he was pretty quick to mention that Firpo scored a grand total of what'd you say? For what'd you say? Zero, 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 zero across six which games. Is impressive in itself. Yeah, a net net yeah. zero across six games, but yeah, he was not so quick to. Didn't, didn't cost that, you too much, did he? Yeah, that's right. Well, see, I don't, I don't need to mention it because let's face it, the three of you oh, will yeah. instead. No, you're right there, absolutely. And we will. Well, I mean, Sterling's produced you three ones so far. So, I mean, for a first draft pick, he's only a missed penalty away from Furpo. I think 
technically have it as my first. I'm just going to keep bouncing back and forth between that to see whichever one fits my narrative. No, fair enough. And look, you've still got ways to go to to beat out. I think it was uh, Nathan with the worst first round draft pick of Ings, Um, and not because he wasn't in form, but because he got an injury and was out for the pretty much the entire season after the first couple of game weeks. But um, look. Speaking of Nathan, he has made a dramatic jump in the league standings up to third with a total of 58 points this game week. So he was the number one manager this week. And looking at his team, he did it off the back of Cancelo, who got him 12 points. Laporte, who got him five points. Regulon, who got him four points up the back. Now, interesting thing being that Laporte and Regulon actually were automatic substitutions, which came into his team. So it maybe wasn't looking as good until those two came in, but they did come in. Uh, Decore, 11, Gray, 6. De Bruyne finally got him um, some points, three points there with the shutout. So it's good for him having De Bruyne back. Gallagher, four points. Jimenez, eight points. Firmino, one point. So he, he got good points all across the board. He's jumped up into third. Um, he, he sent me a lovely message just letting me know that uh, he was right behind me, just sort of, uh, waiting to catch me, but the the good thing for me though is that there's still a pretty sizable gap between second and third, so I, that gap really hasn't diminished too much. But he definitely had a pretty good game week, so congrats to to Nathan for picking up the the game week win this week. Yeah, no, he definitely had a good game week. Um, when I look at his team though, um, I'm still. I'm thinking that that's not going to be able to be sustained. And when I had a look at some of the numbers, um, I'm still very confident in saying that because Gray and Dekure have both overachieved their uh, expected totals significantly so far. Uh, I think Gray in particular has scored, um, I think earlier, I think I talked about him a couple of weeks ago saying he'd scored three goals from four shots. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, scored, scored again. And Dekure, I think Dave identified he's playing a lot more attacking role for Everton than he used to before. So, definitely, I mean, playing playing great so far. But again, uh, when I had a look at the expected goals, Gray and Dekure are in the top five for overachieving so far this season. So, I mean, whether or not that's a trend that can, t- can, t- can continue, they've looked really good so far. I mean... If, if it turns out well, Nate will be laughing all the way to a lot better result than last season at least, but I don't think it can be sustained. I'm going to stick with that at the moment. I think I, I got two things to add about Nathan's team now. Firstly is I had a look through it. And I was like, yeah, okay, my week was poor. And I said, oh, well, Nathan's isn't going to be great. But then I saw that those two subs were going to come in. But you talk about how Isaac's week was saved by his automatic subs. Well, can we basically say the same about Nathan? Because he picked up Kanato, who didn't play, which got him five points from Laporte. And then his second round draft pick, the number 15 in the draft, got uh, Pepe, who got nothing, got automatic subbed for, I think it was Regulon for four points. So I, like, I do like how I get uh, slammed for my uh, draft picks. And maybe is it because he's actually just so bad they're not playing at all? Is that is that my issue? Is I just need people that either don't play anything rather than the three minutes at the end? Um, but the other thing that I found really interesting was a bench move that didn't work out is he left Edison on the bench against Chelsea, but played Ramsdale against his Tottenham. I found that a little bit strange. I I would have been playing Man City's keeper all day, every day. I don't quite understand why he went with that. Well, one. he obviously 
yeah, I think we've all tried to analyze Nate's moves before and basically come up with nothing more than alcoholic reasons. So I'm not going to even bother with that one. uh, The thing about Nathan is he generally picks a pretty good team. And, you know, he had nine points coming off his bench into his team this week, absolutely. But he means he still would have scored 49 points, which would still have been second this game week. So he tends to pick a pretty good team. He's got De Bruyne coming back who, um, I don't know, just probably almost scored as many points as, as Sterling and Havertz together. I don't, I don't know. But uh, I'm sure Nathan will look at maybe moving on Grand Decore and doing some trades and things like that just so... Um, he can maybe get off them before they start to wane in their their, their points getting. But uh, hey, up to third, um, I suppose. Uh, he, for those who listen, he was on last week's episode, uh, but there were some audio issues, so we had to cut him out of last week's episode. Um, he has a very very defined target in his sights of who he wants to beat this season, and I won't say who or or. He's doing it. Quite He's doing well it very moment, well. I won't say who at the moment because we will get him back on at some point for him to discuss. But uh, he he's got a few people in his sights, and uh, he's very keen to um, catch and beat those particular people and uh, rub it in their faces. So hey, let's see how he goes. It's a long season. Um, he's making the right moves right now, but we we just have to to continue to watch and wait. Now. I believe that you had the pleasure of catching up with Nathan and then last year's, or sorry, two years ago's runner-up. Sorry, not runner-up, Wooden Spooner. Now, is there a way that a certain picture or video might make its way to social media? Because I can't wait to see it because I believe Nathan does now have some silverware on his mantelpiece at home. I can't wait to see it. Um, I believe... Um, the other manager in question, Dan, who uh, was in town last week, did make the exchange of the wooden spoon trophy. So I believe he took a video of that too. So we'll, we'll try and get that up onto the social. I, I do say that's probably Dan's best trade of the year so far. To be honest, it's probably his best ever trade, full stop. Uh, poor old Dan doesn't have a great track record when it comes to trades. So, um, look, it, it was rather successful. He was very, very happy with that trade. That's for sure. So, we'll we'll get that footage and we will uh, we'll post it to the appropriate social media platforms. Um, let's keep going, guys. We'll jump through a few. Well, we'll jump through the next one quickly. We've got Jeff who remained in fourth spot, um, only three points uh, behind Nathan. Um, Thirty-three points for the game week, which. Uh, was not fantastic. Uh, it's really tight in the middle section of the table, guys. So you've got Nathan on 265 points. And then if you go down to sixth, which is Mick on 250 points, it's quite congested there. So there's going to be a lot of movement in the next couple of weeks. I'll be interested to see if anyone breaks away. But coming fifth is Dave. Dave dropped down um, some places. Can you, Dave, please let us let us in on how that happened why the drop what what's happened in game week in this last game week for that to happen explain come on there's yep nothing to see here move on no i as i mentioned earlier i had seven points from son thanks to a goal um tony got me an assist uh he actually played really well, and in the three-three with Liverpool, 
Um, he definitely had chances to get more than that. Um, but yeah, nothing else to write home about. The only thing to uh, to note is, as I mentioned briefly earlier, I did bench Martinez. Um, I did not think that Villa would keep a clean sheet at Manchester United, but clean sheet, four saves, two bonus points uh, would have had me nine points, but instead I had Fabianski in for three. So I've left six on the bench, but even if I had six, still not a great week. Um, Some thinking and some tinkering to be done. Are you regretting holding on to Alexander-Arnold at all? Because ever since I offered you that trade, he's done nothing. In fairness, the guys I offered you have done nothing as well. I think the best player I've mentioned in that trade is currently Timo Werner since that point. So that says something about the quality of that trade. Well, I saw Alexander-Arnold is now injured as well. So, I mean, the Mick curse in in action again. So, I mean, any more players you'd like to speak about in Dave's team, I'm happy. Just just let me bring up yours, Gilby. Uh, who's in yours again? Yeah, I mean... Oh, I mean, you're probably thinking about Bruno. So, I mean, that was probably the reason he missed that pen in the end. Yeah, obviously, TAA is now injured. Um, doesn't look like it's overly serious. Still um, just a yeah, bit of a groin injury. So um, hopefully doesn't miss too many games. Um, definitely not going to be left out of my team. Um, I also have Wilson that I'm holding on to till at this stage it looks like mid-October. Um but I'm pretty happy with Tony. Um, I think even though he's not necessarily getting the huge returns, um, every single game, he's showing me something. He's showing me that he's there or thereabouts and um, he's never going to be dropped. Um, Touch wood. Here we go. He'll get benched next week now that I've said that. Um, But yeah, and... Edouard looks like he'll be a starter for Palace, so I can afford to hold on to Wilson and other than maybe Timo Werner, there's no one in the waivers that I'm going to be looking at. But yeah, like you said, Isaac Odegaard did nothing. Like you said, Mick, TAA got injured. Um, Would you be in, like, if... I mean, you drop down a place which may make it more possible to pull off. If you had the opportunity, would you put up Wilson for more pie? I don't think so. I think, like I said, I'm happy with my two other strikers at this stage. Uh, And I think even though Wilson's out for the next three or so game weeks, uh, he's still got that long-term... more potential than more pie, in my opinion. But I think, I think though, Dave, it really depends on. Like, I, I know you're happy with your the two strikers you've got, but you've still got to, you've still got to think about the fact that you could have three strikers that are playing that are getting you points, and if you're not willing to do that, are you confident that you could transfer out someone like a Delhi Alley to a midfielder that could then give you those points instead if you're not willing to? To drop Wilson, like, is that sort of where you're going? Definitely. So I still 
I still don't know whether or not I drafted Deli Alley too high. He had a great first few weeks and he's definitely tailed off and I'm definitely open to switching him out. There's other midfielders that are on the free agency that are available. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm happy with Sushek. I'm happy with Grealish. I'm happy with Odegaard. They just didn't give me returns this week. Yeah. But Deli Alley is one that I'm looking to ship out. Um, and yeah, like you say, that's a move I'll probably be forced into doing, knowing that I'm holding on yeah. to Wilson. I'd imagine Firpo and Christensen might be a bit endangered too. Yes. Uh, I th- think Firpo's already got the noose around his neck and it's starting to be tightened. Um, yeah. By I, you? By me. I can... Here we go. Exclusive. Shock horror. Firpo will not be in my team uh, for the next podcast. There you go. Does that just shock everyone? It is it is a shame though because, okay, Leeds have been trash at the back but they do have great fixtures and that's that's been that little carrot dangling in front of my face to keep him but at some point you just got to cut your losses and well, he's given me a grand total of yeah, zero points off six weeks. So it was it was the same yeah, with me and Trey Warren. Like I just couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> I just could not do it anymore. So yeah. What about um? What about Christensen, Dave? Are you still prepared to ride the rotation there with two shell? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm again very much looking at getting rid of him for someone who is a regular starter, even if it means that. Uh, I'm going to something that's a regular two-point-a-week player. I don't think Christensen's variance is going to have enough upside in it to make that necessarily a bad move if I was to get rid of him for a regular starter at a lower half team. No, fair call. I just think there's going to be lots of waivers this week. I think a lot of people are going to be doing lots and lots of waivers to try and get back, uh, get their season back on track. Let's jump down now to sixth, which is Mick. Mick, you've dropped down to sixth. A game week points haul of 39. You're now 10 points behind um, Dave, who's in fifth. So there's a bit of a gap there. Um, How will give us a rundown how you got that 39 points and how are you looking to get that 10 points back so that you can uh, hope leapfrog Dave? Well, it'd be nice if uh, potentially the greatest player ever started taking penalties again. Um, that might be the first thing I'd suggest for my team to start scoring some points. Um, but yeah, my team, like I said, I think in the intro is two players, Mark Allen, Jose Saar, got the 20 of my 39 points. Um, from the start of the game week, I missed the first half of the, the two games, the City, uh, City Chelsea and Man U Villa and was uh, walking home at the time, refreshing the scores, trying to see, okay, what's happening, what's happening, and saw Luke Shaw, after you boldly predicted last week, I can't wait to see him injure himself while scoring an own goal in the 59th minute to get a grand total of zero. Now, that wasn't perfect, but he did get a yellow card in the 29th minute and then injure himself in the 33rd for a grand total of zero. I'm pretty proud. So it was quite impressive. I mean... 
maybe we need to start doing Isaac's ideas for the multi instead because you apparently have a much better idea of what's going to happen than I do. And would um, you have taken Azpilicueta for him in hindsight? I mean, I still think he's going to play this week. Um, he was supposedly uh, eligible for their game against young, uh, not young boys, who they play, Benfica, Porto. was it? Um, Porto, Porto, that's right. Yeah, Benfica. Villarreal. Oh, Villarreal. Yes, yeah. sorry. Villarreal, that's it. Yeah. Um, he was eligible, but then he was ill on the morning of the game. Um, with Harry Maguire being out, I think they're pretty likely to try and play as much of their normal back four as they can. Um, I think they had this morning in the, that game, they had Diego Dalot playing at right back and they had Tellers at left back. Um, and I believe Tellers actually scored a wonder goal. So that might be a bit of a, an issue for me. Um, but I still think if, if Shaw's fit and he's even 80 to 85% fit, he's the starting left back there. So I, I look at my team overall and the really frustrating part is the worst part of two guys wearing blue shirts in the middle of my, in the heart of my midfield. And it's just at the point now where I just don't, <clears throat> when do I bite the bullet? Sterling did start for Man City this week um, in the Champions League, which I don't know if that's a good thing at all. Um, he did nothing in that either. Um, Havertz, I think at this stage, Sterling's more likely to get the chop than Havertz. I think Havertz has more upside. The fact that with KDB out, with no striker, um, Sterling still not getting a look in. I think what maybe the, the, the straw that broke the back was uh, Mares coming on the field first as a right winger, coming on as the first sub, I'm pretty sure, for City against Chelsea. Um, and then Sterling getting the 89th minute, hold it in the corner, do nothing else. Um, that might be a case of how far down the pecking order he's fallen. Um, but you, if that is the case, well... Is Sterling likely to get transferred to another club in January? Maybe he's going to be a great pickup for somebody else, but 13 weeks to go still. Uh, I don't know how much longer I can possibly hold him, but I had another beautiful uh, moment with Rafinha on my bench for eight points for I think the second week in a row. Um, that was more so because of fixtures against Wool, uh, West Ham. Um, and also he had an injury cloud around him at the time. Um, so I thought... I, I thought I'd leave him on the bench, but I, yeah, that one backfired as well. So it's unfortunate for me, but at the end of the day, that 14 points from Jose Sar with six for uh, Michael and eight for Keane was enough to get me into third for the round. I'm pretty sure tied third for the round. So as much as I may have lost ground to a few guys above me, overall, I haven't lost as much as others. So it's it's a adequate round, I think I'd say. Not good, but it's adequate. And my team still has a fair bit of upside, um, I just need I need a bit of luck to maybe fall my way. Um, yeah, I had a look at your team. I still I, I definitely agree with you that you haven't had much luck there because Watkins in particular has looked really good for me. I know he only made the third spot on your bench at the moment, but um, since he and Ings are playing together, he's had four times the amount of chances that Ings has had. So, I mean, he, I mean, uh, when we were looking at it, we were arguing, is Ings going to be more value than Watkins, who had a really good season last season? But Watkins has looked really, really good for Villa. So, I mean, I'd be definitely um, keen to 
maybe look at him if you don't value him too highly. Um, potentially, maybe as a trade. Um, but the other one I've interested, I wanted to get your thoughts on is Buendia. Because uh, there was the drama there with like playing for Argentina and going to the Copa America, all that drama that happened there. Um, no, the qualifiers, sorry, not the Copa America. But coming into the season, I read him really highly. Um, I was annoyed to not have the chance to pick him up. What are you thinking of Buendia so far? He, I mean, in my team at the moment, on paper, I would say he's my fifth midfielder. But to be honest, he's probably my third midfielder, um, maybe equal with Havertz, about that same level, and Sterling's probably my fifth. Um, for Nels, who I was probably closest to dropping two or three weeks ago, is probably second. Rafinha, I think, would be far and away my, my best midfielder at the moment um, in terms of he is the outlet for Leeds. Um, it, it's a hard one to say. I think Villa are quite an attacking team. He's very attacking-minded. Um, his issue is going to be when he plays. So he obviously had that week off um, against Everton, I think it was, the week he had to sit out. He had 12 minutes against Man U on the weekend just gone. Um, but with Leon Bailey still out for a couple of weeks, um, and I don't think Bertrand Traore is back from injury as of yet, um, they're still they're, they're down a few wingers. But with that change in formation, um, he's probably going to have to come inside a little bit more rather than sitting out on the wing. So... Maybe that's what they're looking at. And they, they generally have a couple of holding midfielders with um, Douglas Louise and McGinn in there. So I guess he kind of has to play that attacking mid-type role. Um, I don't know who they've got playing it at the moment, but I think he's, he's, he's a technical player enough to be able to play that role. But it's a, it's a hard one to say. While they're playing this five-back formation, or sorry, three-back formation with wing-backs, um, he hasn't really done anything since they've turned the corner. So it'll be interesting to see. At this stage, I think I've got other midfielders I can almost drop first who have shown me absolutely nothing. Um, it's just a matter of, I guess, fixtures and how they rank up and how much my pride I'm willing to hold on to and how much I'm just going to get rid of it straight away. So yet to be decided, but I think we've mentioned already there's a, there's a few in the waivers that are good quality pickups. Um, so I'll, I'll be looking at that. It might just be a case of who I think might fall to third as it is my case. And I may have been doing a little bit of reconnaissance a minute ago, trying to find out who a couple of the guys above me might be picking up. Um, And I know there's one player I'm looking at who is off the table, so I don't even have to worry about putting anything out there, Um, which is the way I wanted that one to go. But I'm still a bit worried that my second player that I would like to pick up might go before I even get a chance. So I can rule it down to two. I'm just going to have to wait and see see how the uh, the cookie crumbles. Well, there's lots of unknowns, but two things I know for sure, Mick. Number one. You will play Rafinha this week. I'm, I'm sure he'll come off your bench and you will play him. Watford's defensive record, though. Mick, you will play Rafinha this week. You, you surely can't leave him on your bench again. But the second thing I know for sure, Mick, is that he'll probably blank for you. So, you know, take see how you go. Hopefully. Yeah. 100%. Let's continue on to... And I know that if Mick offers me Boo and Dia, it's because he's about to drop him. So I'm going to be watching that offer. Hey, win-win. Win-win. Let's keep going, guys. Uh, Dan is in seventh place. He had a game week of 37 points. Um, he's There's a bit of a gap between Mick and Dan, uh, but 
37 points, considering it was a low-scoring week, you know, there's nothing to, to cry over. Um, if I have a quick look at his team, um, the bulk of those points came from Saka, which was a, a waiver pick from a, a couple of game weeks ago, um, who was able to get him those, which was good. Already mentioned that he uh, he got rid of Mopai um, and replaced him with Dennis, so that was unfortunately a, a sort of negative eight-point return there. Jesus... Um, got eight points for him. Semedo got six points for him, and that really was all there was to write home about. Lukaku didn't didn't feature, unfortunately, but with Chelsea's good run coming up, hopefully he will. Um, and Alonso, who's been getting good points as well, again didn't wasn't able to again, given that uh, Man City played all over Chelsea. So I'm sure he's disappointed with that game week, but um, it'll be interesting to see how he goes in the waivers and who he decides to pick up. How about the confidence of the Chelsea fan, though, playing three Chelsea men against Man City, leaving Jesus on the bench, but then getting the stroke of fortune that Sancho didn't get a minute on the field and Jesus comes on for eight points. Eight out of 37, he's he's got pretty lucky bold. there. Just incredibly bold. It was it has big reps on Chelsea. It's a bold, bold strategy, bold. Cotton. Yeah, well, bold's one word for it. I'll say that Well, let's much. stick with that word. Um, if we keep going down to Ben in uh, eighth position, um, 39-point game week, uh, was able to pick up a few points on on, on Dan. Um, but again, looking at, at Ben's uh, game week, was able to pick up eight points with Zaha, eight points with St. Maximin. You know, I, I could see him getting points from those two for a few more game weeks to come. Maguire got seven points, um, but has uh, a bit of an injury now, potentially. So, look, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there with, with Ben's team, who he decides to um, change out. But, you know, again, 39 points isn't anything to sniff over, but uh, he's, he's still clawing his way back. I, I have a look at Ben's team, and he, across his forward line and his midfield, there's actually a fair bit to like it, in my opinion, about his team. His defense has a little bit, a little bit of a, that needs work, so to speak. Um, I mean... The potentials there, you got guys like Maguire, um, Pereira and Creswell, two attacking wingers, Creswell and set piece. Pereira is obviously great for Leicester when he plays. Thiago Silva, a great defensive team, again, when he plays. Loughton, it's a great defensive team. Winger for that team, or sorry, fullback. Um, when I look at his team, and I know Dan listens to this, and I talk to him every week, and he hates how much he gets slammed, but I would be taking Ben's entire team 15 over Dan's every day of the week. Ooh. I think Ben's a little bit unlucky that Foden hasn't featured at all yet. Mount's injured at the moment. Um, Maguire's now injured. Pereira got uh, suspended. I think he got a red card and injured in the same game, quite possibly. Um, and then he's kind of fell out in the way he picked his uh, his goalkeepers at the start of the season. So he had to rotate them. He didn't really have a rotation, but he's fallen into that now. He just got last pick of it. So there's a fair bit to like, in my opinion, of Ben's team. And he's last at the moment so he does have first pickup and um we've already spoken about the guys looking at but there's uh i know that trade going through and it's another good one for him and he's i don't think there's too much to dislike about ben's team yeah i mean the thing that stands out to me is the as we all say like the first two picks be important and with harry kane contributing a grand total of seven points from six rounds um, that's seven more than furpo 
true. Not yes, hard. But um, I believe he may have taken Furpo a few rounds after Kane. So that's true. Well, that's true. <laughs> so I mean, as we all say, like the first couple of rounds is in any draft format is vitally important that you get that premium player that is going to give you a good five or six points every round and potentially go big for a double figure round every now and then. And Kane for a range of reasons has just been horrible to start the season. So as Mick said, like I think Ben's team has enough artillery there that if Kane can get back to anything resembling his best form, um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Ben does not finish on the bottom this year, but to do it, he will need Kane to score, I'm going to guess, somewhere in the region of at least 15 goals a season. Even if he doesn't hit golden boot heights, he'll need at least the 15 goals. Um, otherwise, he's going to struggle. I'd like to point out that uh, Kane has half the points of Sterling. How many of them are going to uh, and come for Tottenham and how many of them are going to come for Man City after the transfer window, though, Gilby? All I saw there was Mick waving his arms in the air. So I'm thinking that he was probably making the point along the same lines that we should be like, um, ragging Kane equally as bad as Sterling. Um, so I'm not sure on that yeah, one. I'm not, but I not think quite back sure now. what happened then. Yeah, I, not okay, quite sure yeah, what happened. Well, I went to say something and it all just cut out. Um, but yeah, Kane has half the points I think, of Sterling. I think, I think Dave may have just hit the points button less. on you. <laughs> so 11 points less than Havertz. So... I mean, I think everyone can say Kane's going to start, and even if he does leave in January, he's going to go to City, which is a better team. But, um, yeah, he's he's a worse pick currently, and he's two points better than KDB as well. So keep that in the back pocket. Yeah, I mean, like, as we said, like, at the start of the very start of the season, we all looked at that first round, and I had the first pick this season, and I said, I think we all agreed that there were four players that we ranked right at the top. Um, we said they were... Bruno, uh, Kane, KDB, and Salah. Um, and looking in hindsight, uh, Salah, to me, was probably definitely the top pick now that Ronaldo is here. But without Ronaldo, I would have said I ranked Bruno and Salah together. And I went with a little bit of heart overhead, picking a Man United player over a Liverpool player. Uh, in hindsight, going particularly on maths, Salah is probably the better choice and probably will be by the end of the season. But I'm still happy with my Bruno pick, but I'm definitely very, very happy that um, I stuck with the maths and did not pick KDB or Kane. Yeah, I think as soon as you go and pick a forward, it's always as your first pick, it's always very difficult to then get your midfield where it's not just you're relying on maybe some streaky performances here and there to pick up points. Obviously, for me, Zahar's not going to pick up points like that every week. Pogba has already overachieved. Foden is in pep roulette. Uh, Ward-Prowse is going to get only set-piece sort of uh, assists and goals here and there. So he's really relying on Kane to start firing. I in saying that, I don't think that's a bad midfield, but it relies on Kane actually getting points. And so, you know, if that can start to happen, then, hey, I think... Ben's in with a shout here, and I, I do like the look of his team. I, I even like the look of his back line. I think that he's got a good team there. It's just 
week to week, can he get the points needed? And Kane has to be a big factor in that. If he just doesn't do anything, then, yeah, he's in a bit of trouble. But surely Kane's going to score some goals soon. It's just a matter of time, I'm sure. So, but, you know, stranger things have happened. You never say that. You never say that about Sterling and Havertz. Surely they're eventually going to score, right? Yeah, there's a reason we don't say that about Sterling and Havertz, though. Unfortunately for you, Mick. Oh, Sterling's had his time, and um, Havertz may not have his time ever. So, I think that time was when he was on um, Dave's bench. Uh, I think, other than that, that was about it. Sounds about right. Sounds about right. So look, we'll, look. That's how the league's looking at the moment. Um, it's interesting. It's there's a a good group, a big grouping in the middle, and then you know either end there's sort of uh, two managers sort of battling it out at the moment. So we'll have to see how that progresses as we continue on. Um, we will have a look at the next game week shortly, but um, during the week I had a look at my transactions and I saw that Dan put through a trade offer to me. So. What I did, I sent this trade offer to the boys. Um, I, I, looking for a little bit of guidance, and I wanted to have a little bit of a debate around it. So, um, we're going to have a look at this trade offer, which is Dan offering James, the Chelsea defender, and Sancho, the Man United midfielder, and requesting from me Diaz from Man City, the defender, and Greenwood, the Man U midfielder. So that's the offer. Now, Dave, I believe you're four. Is that correct? You're four this you're gonna well you're gonna de- I mean that's yeah, you're gonna argue for arguing. this particular trade, and Mick you're gonna argue against. Um and Gilby is gonna be the a bit of an adjudicator and come in with some maybe some maybe some uh, facts and figures at the end. So he, he can sort of say who's who's uh winning that particular debate and come in with some justification as to why but um I, I can't remember how a debate start. does the four team usually start the debate I, I can't remember i'm sure that there's a standard protocol around this but dave i'm gonna go to you um, you can just refer okay. to me as the so, affirmative uh the four, could you please begin you have only a minute uh that's all <laughs> i need mate so I've got a few points uh, around each player as to why Isaac should definitely accept this trade. So let's start with uh, Reese James. So he's got great fixtures. You can't deny that a run of Southampton, Brentford, Norwich, Newcastle, Burnley and Leicester is not juicy. You, that's I mean, you're not going to get much better fixtures than that. Um, he's not seriously injured. So he did start uh, and got 28 minutes against City um, as the starting right back before he went off. Um, But it doesn't look to be too serious. So he did start a big game against City before that happened. So he's definitely in Tuchel's mind as someone who should be playing, um, especially the big games, but uh, he's there or thereabouts. And he's proven attacking threat. So he's already got one goal and two assists from the 188 minutes that he's played so far. So that's a pretty good return. If we move on to Sancho, 
So uh, if you want to talk about good fixtures, let's look at the fixtures on the horizon. So Man U don't have great fixtures for the next five weeks, um, which include Liverpool and Man City. But once they get beyond that hump, they've got a run of no less than 16 game weeks with only two red fixtures. If you're looking at the official fantasy fixture list and how they rank their teams of, uh, you know, red to green fixtures, only two of 16 that are red. And they're Chelsea and West Ham. And as far as red fixtures are concerned, West Ham's, it's red, but it's only slightly red. So if you get and get through the five weeks, you've got amazing fixtures uh, on that horizon. He's had time to settle. Okay, so we're six game weeks in now. Uh, he's had time to settle. It's not new to him anymore. Okay, he did start his time in the English leagues with, yes, Watford before he went to Man City. Uh, so he knows the English game, but having come back from Germany, he's had time to settle. And CR7 will only ever improve young players. So even if it results in less minutes for him on the pitch, because CR7 is now in the squad, the influences that he's going to have on and off the pitch can only make Sancho a better player. Um, Ronaldo will have to be managed. There'll be times when he's rotated out uh, and there's going to be chances for Sancho to get on the pitch and have minutes, even if they're not necessarily regular starts. Quickly on the flip side, if I look at the negatives for Greenwood, um, so he's still getting great minutes, but they have reduced slightly in recent weeks, um, aside from the 90 minutes that he got in the last game. Prior to that, two games where he didn't play the full 90. And Rashford's coming back soon. So, okay, Rashford plays higher up, but how's that going to impact on Greenwood's minutes? As for Diaz, I tried to find a negative, but I could not, so I pass. <laughs> the final thing I want to say is you're above me on the table, so I definitely think you should make this trade happen. Oh, wow. Over to you, Mick. Um, first thing I'd like to do is take everything you said about Sancho and how Ronaldo makes him better, and you apply that same thing to Greenwood. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> this is true, um, but that wasn't the point I was trying to argue. No, but what I liked is you said how his minutes have been decreasing since Ronaldo got there. When you compare the two, Greenwood has played 246 minutes since Ronaldo's been there, and Jaden Sancho has played 82. Again, this is a good point, So it's not the one I was trying to argue for. So Sancho is... Uh, going backwards hasn't didn't get a game the two games he's played fully they won 4-1 against Newcastle and he did not get a single attacking return and they beat Wolves 1-0 and he got a clean sheet so well done to him that's three points so that's almost half of his points for the season um, so to me they're at best equal 
I expected Greenwood to drop when Ronaldo came in and he stayed there. It will swap at some point, but you add Rashford in and I don't see how there's any benefit going that way. When you look at the defenders, you're looking at possibly giving up a guy that has in six game weeks, five clean sheets and an assist. That's 23 points, if my maths is right, without any appearance fees in six weeks. So it's... And then you're picking up James. Don't get me wrong, I like the guy as a player, but we've spoken about the rotation for Chelsea, as it is already. You're taking the one one of two players, I think it might be, other than Edison, sorry, goalkeeper as well. I think Diaz and um, Grealish might be just about the only two players who have started every game. Diaz has not missed a minute so far. James has. Diaz also has only had one yellow card in that entire time. And it is a textbook challenge on a breakaway Lukaku or Werner at the 70-80th minute. So I know Dave's nodding his head going, oh, yeah, that was great. Because that is a defender's <laughs> tackle, that one. And that is a great foul. There's so Dave written all over I, it. I, I, oh, it really is. And I think the more I say, the more Dave goes, yeah, that's just not, it's not a good trade. There's, I don't see any way how you make that. Now, I'm not going to say that you shouldn't look at getting a James. Because I think Dan's trying to offload his risk. He has three Chelsea players already. He has Alonso on one side, James on the other. You already have a Chelsea player. And I think he is more nailed on than James is already. So I don't think you need to go doubling up on that, especially when you give up what I would probably say is the most... I don't know, you know, I'll go all the way. The most influential defender there currently is in the Premier League. That's I tried, Dan. Really <laughs> I really <laughs> tried. <laughs> I tried to get this over the line for you. I gave it everything I could give in the five minutes research that I did. <laughs> I feel like I Diaz really tried, was the man. stumbling block. <laughs> yeah, it's just not happening. 100%. If he was to try, say, a dunk or a white, maybe. Because I, I, I think Sancho for Greenwood, if it was going the other way around, sure, maybe it's okay. There's more upside on one, more likely to get rotated, Maybe. But when you already have the better of those two options the way it currently is, and you already have the better of the two defenders the way it currently is, I, I don't see how you're winning this at all. So I, I, I'm definitely on the uh, uh, negative okay, side. Okay, well, of that. we've heard the affirmative, we've heard the negative argument. Gilby. I mean, well, yeah, close well, to Gilby, mate, the right? adjudicator, he's going to tell us who has the winning side and uh, maybe uh, what I should be doing. So, Gilby, let's round this off. All right, so real quick, purely points. Um, I'm basing this on the build my team, so the rate my team feature from Fantasy Football Scout. I really like Fantasy Football Scout. I used them in the past, so shout out to them. Highly recommended if any managers are uh, watching and listening from anywhere if they need some help here. So in pure maths, you would be, if you accepted this trade over the next six weeks, you would A be A flaming half- idiot. You would be half a point worse off. Wow. Ooh. So, according wow. to their predictions, over the next six weeks, they're saying that James is going to be worth 26.8 points and DS will be worth 23.3. So, they're rating James three and a half points better than DS over the next six weeks. And then, for the conversely, for Greenwood and Sancho, they're saying Greenwood's worth 20.77. And Sancho, 
So you're going to take a hit on Greenwood and Sancho for then Tane James and Diaz. So what I will say with that prediction, from having a look at the actual detail here, what they're basing that on, if you look at Reese James, so if I read you his point score, you'll see why. So what you're accepting with Reese James is you're accepting really high risk for potentially really high return. So his points so far this season, 1-18-1-0-0-1. So you're potentially, you have to take the odds that he will either not play, or if he does play, score one or two, and then potentially score a goal. Because Diaz's only weakness, which Dave was trying to look for a weakness, Diaz's only weakness is he's not going to get you an attacking return. But he's far more likely to get you a clean sheet. So it's all about there, what do you what do you value there? Do you really want high risk, high reward? Or do you want the most reliable defender, arguably, in the league? So, I mean, to me, I always go with a safer pick. But looking at the rest of your team, you do have some safe, reliable defenders there. So if you did feel like a high risk thing there, I wouldn't do it. If it was me, I'm coming. My ruling is I would never do it. All right? But I know last season, like, you won the league based on your transfers because um, I saw a few of those transfers and decided not to, you made the moves and won the league and chased me down the last few weeks. So, I mean, you're arguably better at the transfers than I am. So, I mean, I would never do it, but there's that. Sancho and Greenwood's an interesting one. I think in the long term, our front three will be Sancho on the right, Ronaldo in the middle, and Rashford on the left, with Marshall uh, on the bench, um, and Greenwood on the bench. Uh, and if either one of the, if any of those top three get injured or out of form, then one of those will come in. Um, I think Marshall will be sold by the end of the season, coincidentally, but anyway, that's whole of the other thing. So I think long-term, Sancho will provide the greater points, but in the next five or six weeks, Greenwood easily provides the most points. So to me, I'm early on the side of safety. Um, and I'm saying that you're in a really good position at the moment in the league, um, and I don't see the risk as being worth it at all. Uh, but if we're looking purely maths, you can make a really strong argument for Reese James um, as potentially making a pretty big difference for you. And if Sancho does turn the corner and start to play well, then you can make an argument there. But on the converse, like he played against VRL, started, and did not play well at all. So... It's potentially going to take a while before you see returns from him. It's just, I mean, it's it's very, very high risk to take the move. That's what I'll say. And my final ruling is <laughs> do not take the move. So I'll be happy. <laughs> can we, can we like, I don't know, go to the Supreme Court or something and challenge the ruling? I'm not sure we have the, uh, the, the ability to do that. I'm sorry, Dave. I think Gilby is the... Has the final say. To be fair, as the administrator of the league, Dave does get final say. That's a good point. That is a good point, which is is scary, to be fair. Um, Look, if I look at it from Dan's perspective, I have a look at his team. He needs to strengthen his midfield, right? And I just don't think that this trade for him, if I was to accept it anyway, actually does that. So yes, he gets Diaz. Have I, have I mentioned how strong and how great Billy Ali is lately? Look, yeah, Dan, he's a Chelsea fan, right? Habits <laughs> is going cheap. Well, look, I, I just, 
I, I don't see that as benefiting his his side at the moment. Getting Greenwood in, who I, I know is going to be rotated out at some point. Um, he yes, he gets Diaz absolutely, but um, yeah, I, I think that he's sort of maybe looking at the wrong area to strengthen with the trade. And for me as well, if I'm looking at it, I, I, Diaz is my number one defender that I picked up. I'm, I'm not really looking to get him off my books. And I know at some point I'll need to do something with Greenwood, maybe make some trades, but um, I'm not sure at this point that I want it to be with Sancho, just as Gilby sort of said that... Um, at least in the next five weeks or so. He's going to get more points. He, he just is. He's going to start. He'll start the next game. He should get more points. So I, I'm, I think I'll take Gilby's advice in this instance and Mick's advice. So I apologize, Dave. I think it was a really constructive uh, argument until you got to Diaz. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, can anyone think of any reason why you would get rid of Diaz at all? He's not going to score goals, whereas Reese James is a lot higher chance of scoring goals. But you balance that against shutouts and the fact that Diaz is always going to play and Reese James may not. So, like I was saying, like it's very, very high risk, potentially a very high return. But to me, the risk is far too yeah, so high. Look- but that is a juicy string of sixteen fixtures on the horizon for Man U. But he has a menu player. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not just talking about the trade here. I'm talking just in general, as general fantasy chat. That's on the horizon. Maybe we need to tell Dan to have a go at Bruno. Maybe that's where it yeah. should be. Yeah. Surely he's. Uh, sh- sh- yeah, sure. He's got. Surely he's up for grabs, right, Gilby? Um, I'll listen to any offer. He's going to be off every set piece from here on in. So, you know. Well, I hear Delhi Alley's doing okay. I'll save right now. I'll make, make, in Dave's Dave's tradition of making a big prediction, I'll make a big prediction. The next time that Manchester United get a penalty, Bruno Fernandes will be on it and will score it. Okay. We'll have to wait and see. It might be this game week. I mean... I really hope Bruno's off the field at the time. I mean, man, you traditionally just get given penalties left, right, and center. So, sorry, Mike Dean wasn't one of the referees this weekend, oh, so he probably true. won't get one. That's true. <laughs> well, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna pass up the trade offer at this point in time, Dan. I do apologize. We'll we'll continue chatting. Um, you know, we we might be able to work something out. You know, in the following game weeks, we'll have to wait and see. But uh, look, I think to round up uh, the podcast. The, the part everyone's waiting for is uh, Mick's Magnificent Mega Miracle Magic Marvelous Multi. So, Mick, if you could, um, can you hit us with that that multi so that the pundits out there can, uh, you know, decide where to put their hard... I don't even think my mum oh, really? has a sports bet account. <laughs> yeah, I'm That's pretty it. sure our That's one listener shame. doesn't have one. So... I've I was really tempted, so like we said, I, I hit two of the three here with the uh the curse. Um and I was really tempted just to try and really get into Gilby's team this week, but you know what? I didn't. Um now 
there's one person that won't be happy here. Um, and Isaac, yeah. unfortunately, that's you. So having a look at a few of the things, I, now we haven't done the matches of the week, but I think mine in terms of fantasy is actually the same game that Multi's going to be on. So it's West Ham Brentford this week. I think Brentford have, I won't say even over, overperformed. They have outperformed expectation is what they've done. I think they've been six weeks in, there hasn't really been a blip. It's all been as as good as you could have possibly hoped. So everyone's got West Ham as a, a heavy favorite for this game. I think about $1.75 to $4.70. Um, so this is the multi for this week. Now, with the caveat that there's one West Ham player that started the season on fire that we spoke about, I think, in the first or second episode. He went away for two or three weeks, but he came back. Gilby mentioned it. He set up three great chances. And because their striker could not finish them, I'm backing him to score the first goal this week, but not win. So side Ben Rama to score the first goal, but Brentford double chance, win or draw. So West Ham not to win, but both teams obviously will score. So for that, 34 or 35 to one. So that's it this week. Basically, it's just West Ham not to win, but Ben Rama first goal scorer. Straightforward. Not, not as complicated today. There's not about nine or 10 legs, just the two effectively, but that, that's my multi for this week. I like yeah, it. Yeah, good shout. Good shout. And uh, look, if you've put the mocker on me, I don't like it, but you know, if, if it's going to pay off for you, I'll take it with Ben Rama in my team. Well, you know what? At the end of the day, Antonio's in West Ham's team, so hopefully he doesn't get an assist. Tony's in Dave's team, so if Brentford are going to win, he has to do something. So I'm really hitting you all without you realizing Super it. kind of you, Mick. Super kind. Anything <laughs> to win, right? You said one week this has got to come in, right, Mick? So I'm happy, happy for it to be this week. Yeah, what, I'll take t- it. Tony with the hat trick. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm with you though, Mick. I think that that's actually going to be a cracker of a game. Um, there looks like there'll be a, a couple of good games this week, and you know we won't we won't go through and talk about them all. But um, you know, Manu Everton, you know, could could be a good game given Manu haven't been in top form and Everton uh, sort of have been a bit patchy. So if, if if both worlds collide there, that could be an interesting game to watch. I just love Burnley Norwich. Oh, I think that's going to be a very interesting game to can Norwich actually get a point I think that's going to be really interesting to see I called it last week when I said that uh, it was the big relegation six pointer between Watford and Norwich and obviously um, sorry the week before last um, and obviously the good guys got over the line there Uh, but yeah, it's it's one that I've got my eye on again. Um, if, as I predict, Burnley come away with the points, Daniel's Sparkard. Goodbye, Norwich. I'm just going to keep rolling that out every week until he's gone. And I like the yeah, guy as a manager. Just not working in the Premier but, League, know. unfortunately. No. And look, if I look no. at the other games, Wolves-Newcastle, that's going to be an open game. It's going to be exciting. There could be a few goals scored there. Uh, Brighton-Arsenal could be an interesting game, both playing good football at the moment. Um, Spurs-Aston Villa, I'm surely expecting Aston Villa to just tower them up, given how attacking they've been. Um, And to end the game week, we've got Liverpool-Manchester City, which, you know, is going to go a long way to deciding who is going to take out this season's Premier League. So some good fixtures. It's going to be an interesting one to watch. But, uh, boys, I think we'll wrap it up there. 
Um, unless anyone else has anything interesting or slightly um, important to say, we we all good. I'm good. I'm gonna say Villa three, Spurs two, and Kane will score his first Ooh, goal. There we go. I love it. Uh, I'm I'm sure Ben's hoping that that is the case as well. So we'll have to wait and see. Righto. Thanks very much, boys. A pleasure jumping on the podcast with you guys again. And uh, we'll do it all again next week. Thanks very much, guys. See ya. Good luck.